Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows it's insane to waste food. And I'm really happy about California. They're going to be doing some really cool stuff I just learned about from uh, California. But I'm also someone who knows it's possible to feed more people and reduce the effects of climate change at the same time. And in studio with me right now is entrepreneur Sue Marshall. So feed more people and reduce the effects of climate change. How is this even possible? Hi, Laura. Hi, Sue. (laughs) So happy to be back with you today to talk more about upcycling food and eliminating food waste and feeding more people. So that song was wonderful, Revolution, right? We're in the middle of a food revolution. (laughs) And it's... Oh, I mean, well, you know, let's talk about why we want to change the food system for a minute. Why, why do you want to change the food system? What's, what's wrong with the current structures of our food system? There are people who should not be starving. There should be food in tummies because we have a lot of it we just waste. That's just sad, downright sad. We have people who don't have access to great food, but yet we have a lot of great food available that just doesn't get to them. So that's number one. Number two, we have food that we waste that causes greenhouse gas emissions, which we know is contributing to climate change. Mm-hmm. That's not good. We can do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, and, and I think the, the desire for a stable climate – I mean, I mean, I I would love to find ways of talking about this that you know doesn't trigger people as much. And I know this might be a little, <laughs> but but I think I think that desire for a stable climate um, and full bellies for all. I right? mean, this is this is um, core to being uh, alive. Yes, and this is what's going to keep us resilient for us and for our children and our grandchildren, right? Right. We don't want to go to the moon. We don't want to go on a ship and go somewhere else. No, no. I mean, I I might want to do that and have a a sustainable (laughs) world, you know, but it's not it's not like an either or. So, okay, so Sue, uh, yeah, it's uh, about the third time you've been on the show. Mm -hmm. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background and Yes. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm one of those crazy people. Yes. And you I make cereals. <laughs> I do that too now. We're going to talk about that today. Um, but yes, I, I really wanted to do something in the chapter in my life now that I'm in that really makes a difference. So yes, I can start another company. And yes, I can start one that makes a difference. So that's why I went out to do in 2014 when I was at school, went back as a older student. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Love students. Love working with young people. But I really wanted to start a new company coming out of there, which I did. I didn't want to go into school saying what that was. I wanted to see what was going on. And that's where I found food waste. That's where I found these challenges that we have and all these passionate young people wanting to do something. So I said, okay, let's do something. And here we are today with Net Zero. Okay, so what is Net Zero? So Net Zero is a state-of-the-art uh, platform for food upcycling. And that we do include proprietary equipment, which takes food that would normally go to waste, safely recovers that, processes it, and then puts it back into the human consumption. And animal feed and pet. But at the end of the day, we're taking that food waste and we're adding value in that process so that we can use it again. Okay. And we're going to learn all about this, what, how, how much – I mean one, one statistic is if we, if we just used all the spent grains that we make from beer, mm-hmm. we could feed the world with that. We can. Really? Laura, we're going to talk more about that. Yeah. And all we have to do is to keep drinking beer. <laughs> I love craft beer. I'm all into this one, right? 
And it could even be non-alcoholic craft beer. It doesn't have to be alcoholic craft. They use grains too. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but okay. So the other thing that uh, happened recently is that Tyson's um, uh, you were selected as one of four national entrepreneurs to receive um, the Tyson Ventures mentorship and partnership opportunities. So tell yeah, us about that. Yeah. Well, we know Tyson. You know, they're in the poultry industry. But in addition to that, they are very wide in the supply chain. So that's not normal. We'll see them as, as chicken for the most part, but they own a lot of different brands globally. So they have 150,000 employees, I think. Uh, so it is vast in food R&D, in brands, CPG, consumer products, and, of course, poultry. Um, and our work with them is mostly on the eggshell side. We're upcycling eggshells. We're taking those eggshells and we're making them safe, and then we're making calcium out of that. We all need calcium in our bodies. Instead of buying calcium from China where it's mined, which is fracking, which isn't good for the environment, <laughs> we can actually have calcium sourced here in the United States because chickens lay eggs, <laughs> so right? So what happens now with all the chicken eggs or be, before upcycling? Well, what, was, what was happening to those Mo- shells? The majority of it is going to be land applied and then a lot of it would end up in the landfill as well. So those shells, which are calcium and beautiful eggshell membrane, which is collagen, the sticky stuff on that hard-boiled egg. Good that for skin. Frustrate, great for skin, okay? <laughs> well, that is endless. We, we need that. Um, but it's just being thrown away or inappropriately land applied. So at the end of the day, why can't we s- recover that? We absolutely can. Okay, and that's what you've been working at for yeah, a, a long time now. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that sounds that sounds great. So, what does it mean to be this um, Tyson entrepreneur? What 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 does that what, what does that meant? <laughs> it means access to all that great expertise and and you know in R and D. And we're hoping it's not defined yet, but we're hoping to hear within a couple of months what kind of collaboration we're going to do pilot projects, pilot R&D together. Uh, we're really excited. We, they love our technology. Of course, they have technology themselves, so we're figuring out how we complement each other there so we can actually accelerate some of this upcycling potential. They are very forward on food upcycling, which is great to know. And so you were telling me um, right before this, California just did something that's going to make a big difference with all this. So tell us yes. about that. Don't don't Californians always do something? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good, good job for those Californians. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So Gavin Newsom signed uh, SB 1383, which is a regulation around food waste. And basically it says no food will end up in the landfill in the state of California. No food will end up in a landfill in the state of California. January of 2025, less than a year and a half. Wow. Wow, is right. <laughs> okay, so now when when food ends up in the landfill, it is as it, right now it's the largest component of municipal solid waste. It's 21 20 about a little over 20% of our 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 solid waste is food. Mm-hmm. And um and that also produces methane. Um, because when it's sitting there, it, it, it produces mm-hmm. methane. So for California to take a step like that and say no food, I mean, are they going to be able to do that? Yes, they are. <laughs> they could do that. Um, it's not easy. Okay, so so we're going to net zero. We're helping them as much as possible. But back to why California is so important. California, as we all know, is one of the top five largest economies in the world. And a big portion of that is agriculture and food development and manufacturing. So if you're the, the country of Ireland, 
which by the way, I have folks in Ireland that I work with, they'll call, they called after Gavin Newsom signed that and thanked the United States of America and thanked California because if you remember, they're the size of Indiana. <laughs> so to them and to the rest of the world, California doing this, literally they think now we can actually make a difference with climate change globally with greenhouse gas emission, which you mentioned, methane gases and all these things that come from decomposing food is a contributor uh, of climate change. So if we can just take California and we can concentrate on what they're going to do and then the rest of the states follow, we actually can reverse this. We can change this, Laura. Which, I, I mean, you know, especially with the, the fires this year, the smoke in the air, the, 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 the fires. I mean, there's been so many crises mm-hmm. with the climate. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I'm just tired of being part of a really stupid species, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm, that, I, I, that's the bottom line. So I'm, and so let's talk some more about how food waste contributes to climate change. Yeah, so at the end of the day, if you take food and you put it out in your backyard, what does it do? It starts to decompose. That's probably manageable for Mother Nature. (laughs) Mother Nature didn't intend tons and tons and tons to be put on the land. Now, if you do commercial composting, which is regulated, and that's a science experiment, they know how much food, what kinds of food to make that lovely compost. At the end of the day, that's not – that's a big science it's an opportunity, but you can't do that with all the food we have. So at some point in time, we have to say, what's the, I don't want to say low-hanging fruit. I'm going to say low-hanging food waste Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my world. What can we look at that can be really done reasonably, financially, put back into human consumption? So not all food is is what I'm I'm looking at, but there are streams of byproduct food waste that we can literally do something very quickly, get it back into human consumption. We can save the environment and we can feed people at the same time. Perfect. And worldwide, one-third of food produced is thrown away uneaten? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes out of the U.S., to be quite honest. Yeah. You know, we, we have and, – and this isn't – yes, it's shameful, but we also have a lot of land. You know, if you go to another country – They don't have landfills because they don't have a lot of land. We just Mm – we were blessed to have this country with all this land and we just kind of got a little bit, what do you say, wasteful, right? Mm -hmm. We don't think as much about it as other countries do. So the idea is circular upcycled food economy. Mm -hmm. So say that that three times. Circular upcycled food economy. What is a circular upcycled food economy? It's – this is the way I like to say it. Wonder if the end of the food supply chain, as we think of it today, i.e. our garbage pail, was actually the beginning of a new food revolution. So that food didn't stop there. It kept going. And that's the circular part, and that's where upcycling food plays a piece of that. In my world at Net Zero, we play closer into the food supply chain at food manufacturing. So that would be breweries, distilleries, that type of thing, not at the garbage pail. That's not what we play. But at the garbage pail, there is innovation to make sure that that food does not go in the landfill and that goes to commercial composting it or anaerobic digestion. So there's ethical, appropriate ways to deal with that food waste all along the food supply chain. Yeah. Um, you're listening to Sue Marshall. She's with Net Zero. Um, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. AM 950. 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in studio with me is Sue Marshall. She's an entrepreneur with Net Zero. Um, one of the goals of the sustainable development, a uh, sustainable development goal of the UN is to half the cap, per capita global food waste at the retail and consumer levels. And Sue, you have a business that's helping to do this. So again, tell us what is Net Zero and how are you helping to reduce food waste? Yeah, so Net Zero is a food upcycling technology company. So we have technology, both software and hard equipment, that does the heavy lifting to make sure that food that we currently think of as waste is safely captured and then converted into upcycled ingredients that are then used in new food products. So today you can buy products in the grocery store, by the way, and look on back a pack to ensure that it has upcycled ingredients by looking next to organic and fair trade certification logos and seeing a UP with a little leaf. Okay. That means that product includes upcycled ingredients. Upcycling. And mm-hmm. so is there is there anything like upcycling that um, people might be afraid of? I mean, it's upcycled. It was used before. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yes, yes. And that's, you know, that's completely okay be, to be thinking that way because people often think of, okay, the waste that goes into the dumpster, right? That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about streams that come out of food and beverage manufacturing. So eggshells from liquid egg production, uh, spent grains from distilling, that lovely whiskey or bourbon we like. Behind that are some maybe rye grains, Kernza grains uh, that were used to make that whiskey. And also beer, same thing. And also oat milk. Oat milk is a great example. People drink oat milk these days. They don't realize that there is tons of oats behind that process that go to waste. Those are oats that can be eaten because a lot of that nutrient is still left behind. So those oats can definitely be used again, and it actually makes very great products. And so the spent grains, um, that can make flour that's actually higher in protein, lower in carb, and lower in sugar because the sugar is needed for the beer, but the spent grains are almost, um, they can be a healthier they are because it is lower carb. So you've got that protein um, and the fiber, porophiles, and you have the beautiful flavors, right? So when you look at some of these barleys that they use and you look at some of these beautiful grains, they are sourcing that on purpose for a particular beer. So when we have that really favorite beer, it's because behind that is great grains. So, so to me, I looked at it and said, why would we not use these again? And then you have the bakeries working with them, making the bread, incorporating those grains in there, and they are lovely. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can make them, mill that into flour, just like any other grain. You can grind them and use them in granolas or coatings so you have a little more texture. Lots of food innovation going on with the upcycled grains. That's beautiful. And one of the big things is you talk a lot about collaboration. And I think we almost inherited this idea of economics is all about competition. And, you know, he, but, but is economics about competition or can it also be about collaboration for a greater good and a greater purpose and a living world? Yes. And we can do this. And we also want to do that economically collaborative because more people need better jobs. People in rural areas need better, more interesting jobs. And the whole idea of circular food economy allows you to look at it this way. So everybody can play in this if we're collaborating. We can't do this in silos. We actually know what happened to our world when we were operating in silos. It's not good. We talked Mm -hmm. about it, right? Climate change and all these things that are going on because all we were focusing on us on the money. The money can still happen. It can just be in, more inclusive and accessible if, if we are collaborating. 
Yeah, we all do better when we all do better. Yes, and the world will benefit from it, yes. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so uh, let's talk about some of your uh, local partners. Um, so um, the we'll go more on the breweries. So how yes. t- tell us some of the stories behind the breweries that you've been working yeah, with. Yeah, so we were lucky in Minnesota. Minnesota, you know, Minnesota nice people are going to help you. This is what's going to happen. And so when I started this business, we had the breweries wanted to host us, the distilleries. So we have a processing facility in St. Paul currently. And what we do is we still have our favorite breweries and distillers, and we do process for upcycled grains. This year, we started selling the equipment. So why that's important is in scale. So I can only have our facility operating so much doing this upcycling grain, but just think of every urban area in this country had an upcycling going on in their breweries and distilleries. That's a lot of grain that can be repurposed and put into product. So that is what we're doing now. Our business model is to get that equipment out to all manufacturing uh, that can utilize this to upcycle their byproducts. And again, this is a grain fact. Uh, Craft breweries generate enough leftover grain, commonly called spelt grain, to feed the world. Um, And that's based on, uh, in 2021, 208 million barrels of beer was produced, and each barrel is 31 gallons, and each gallon of beer produces one to two pounds of spent grain. So it's an average of nine... Nine billion pounds of spent grain produced in the U.S. that's now going in our landfills where it generates methane and adds to the climate instability. And instead, you have these local grains going to your back and they become flour. Yes, yes. So a human averaged 2,100 pounds of grain a year that we eat, right? So that's so much grain that, yeah, we couldn't eat all of it. That we're producing in the craft brewing industry. So in addition to human consumption, we have to look at other areas for that grain to go too. So there is pet food. Pet food is, you know, pets love <laughs> upcycled um, grains. You can go to a lot of breweries these days and you'll find snacks, dog snacks, <laughs> with spent brewer's grains in them. That's popular. Dogs love that. And then in addition to animal feed, animals as well because animals eat grains. So we can take a look at there's no reason that these grains should actually go into the landfill. The other thing that's been super fun, which we'll talk about now, is taking these grains and making products like cups, packaging materials. Edible cups. Wow. And that. that's that is this is super cool. So edible cups from the spent grain from uh, the beer we drink. Yes, God, that, like... <laughs> doesn't that feel a lot funner than like plastic all over the place and worried about that and knowing about all the microplastics in our ocean and. Yes, we can do better with packaging as well. So uh, Janine, she has a company called Amai in California. She is under this 1383 regulation that's coming out. So she's going to benefit as as same with Net Zero because we're out there helping her. So she makes these cups, and they're very similar to a sugar cone, you know, with ice cream, but not that sugar forward. I like... You know, when they're not so sugary, that's not Mm -hmm. my thing. But remember, that's protein and fiber as well on this cup. And then what she's been doing is imprinting the logo on the cup. So if you um, are a catering company or you're a brewery or she does a lot of work with um, little cafes for coffee because you can put coffee in them. They're heat resistant. And to know that that's net zero upcycled grains in those, 
is amazing and they taste good. Now, somebody, so you actually eat your cup and that's, I mean, have your cake and eat it too, but you eat the have cup. Have your coffee and eat it too. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, but you know, people look at me and go, well, I wonder if I don't want to eat the whole cup. You know, that's true. But you know what? Dogs like those cups. <laughs> you can sit the cafe and you can watch the dog stare at you because you're not going to finish that cup. They want it. They want the cup. Okay. But is, then they might get caffeine residue. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> right? Maybe you, that's what they're looking for. You don't have an 80-pound dog, do you? <laughs> that's right. Make sure you get drink all that coffee, Laura. Drink Martin. all the coffee. Maybe rinse it off so the dog doesn't get too much coffee. But edible cups made with recycled, upcycled, not recycled, but upcycled grains solving the climate crisis and drinking our beer and then eating the cup afterwards. You know, the future may not suck. The future may be great. New food revolution. New food revolution. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. In studio with me is Sue Marshall with Net Zero. Be kind of fun. So, can we uh, can we um, help uh, create a stable ki- a climate where all people have food um, by wasting less? And um, in studio with me right now is someone who's been working on food waste um, by being an entrepreneur and starting a business. So, remind our listeners exactly what is Net Zero again. So, Net Zero is a Net Zero is an upcycling food platform that includes proprietary equipment that processes these byproducts that are typically wasted into new ingredients for products. And we do the heavy lifting is what we do in that. So tell us about your facility in St. Paul. So we're at the Wycliffe Building. Uh, right off Raymond and University, right by Urban Growler, another great craft brewery. Uh, and then we have a R&D facility and then equipment that processes there. And so you're able to take those spent grains and make um, make a, a flour. And then are you selling that right now then? Yes, we are. We actually do fulfill orders for our partners. Uh, we do other work too. We've been doing vanilla pods from the Vanilla Extract Company in Minnesota. Ooh. Yeah, we've done lavender from a bitters distilling company. So wow. in that lab, we, we really play around a lot because what we want to do is figure out what is the next upcycled ingredient that we could partner with someone to process. And so, um, and you were named a, a Tyson entrepreneur recently. And so, using the eggshells. Um, so, talk a little bit more about um, reusing eggshells because right now, most of the eggshells end up in the um, landfills and then they add methane. But you can take and process those eggshells so that you get usable ingredients. So, yeah, yeah. So, if we want to take a just think about the volumes, one thing chickens don't do is stop laying eggs. So when you're an egg producer, especially if you're making liquid egg every day, so when you go to a restaurant and you get an egg patty, chances are that's liquid egg. That's not an egg in the back they're cracking. But those comes from facilities that are extremely large. So they could be doing 20 tons of eggshells a day. And if you think about all that in one facility going to the landfill, that's going to be a problem. So at the end of the day, we have to do better at the end of that stream on what's going on in that manufacturing plant. That can be powered forward. It does not have to to be done there. Eggshells are very, you know, this is what I always tell people, that lining inside of the eggshell 
that actually resembles a human placenta. Of course it does. There was a little chicken going to be in there, right? Mm-hmm. So that placenta, that membrane, has amazing nutrients. The collagen is, we know today, collagen is very important in our health. So why are we throwing that away? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And, I mean, uh, so, I mean, getting some of the larger players in the food industry to do this obviously has a tremendous impact, but also um, trying to help um, smaller businesses. And so um, you want to talk about Mama's Canine Mix a little bit yeah, and tell yeah. us a little bit about that business? Yeah, so Mama's is, is – there's a lot of – we spend a lot of money on our dogs, okay? We do. We do. I know. I do. I know you I do, do. Laura. Right. Yeah. Right. And actually, economically, we spend more money on dog food than we do in our own food. There's proof on that, right? Because, You've got to be kidding. Yes. We, we love the margins too on dog food, by the way. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, but what I find with mamas and other companies like that is they're actually doing it from their heart. They really want to do the right thing. They want to feed their dogs really good food, yes, for sure, and then they want to do good into the environment. This is kind of like a craft brewery's thinking too. They want to, you know, have craft beer that tastes good, but they also don't want to hurt the environment and they want to help the community. So Mama's is a perfect, and she she called me right away and she said, I would like to use Upcycle. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I heard you have the calcium from the eggshells because they use calcium in dog food like that. That's pretty normal. So they're already using ingredients. They're basically replacing them with better ones, which are the upcycled ones that we handle. Great. And then, um, so we talked a little bit about, and uh, it's such a fun concept, the edible cups. Are these on the market yet? And how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so the edible cups are basically in the catering and in the um, retail food service right now. So you and I wouldn't be able to buy them at the store yet. I'm saying yet because we need to help her scale. So anytime you have an entrepreneur that has a great concept, a great product, and you're getting traction, how do you now get even more spent grain? Right, it's different doing a few hundred a day to a few thousand a day of these cups. So her and I are in California working together in Carlsbad near San Diego, and we're looking at a facility so she can partner with someone like Stone Brewing. So Stone Brewing is not a little brewery; they're a large brewery. Now you and I wouldn't know about them here because they're in California, but they do seven tons of spent grain a day coming out of that facility, six wow. days a week. That's a lot of edible cups. Yay. <laughs> Great project. And so and you mentioned it early in the show, but now California passed something that says you can't put food waste in the landfill anymore. You cannot. So you, me, the local coffee shop, the brewery, big facilities, that cannot end up in a landfill. So real quickly, within a year and a half, they have to change their behavior. Now, in California, they happen to have a lot of alternatives. They just haven't been pushed to look and do better. So I, you know, people say to me, how are they going to do that? Well, I can tell you, <laughs> they have the means, they have the experience and the education. They have top-notch aerobic digestion, commercial composting, and now net zero with food upcycling. Ooh. There's quite a few upcyclers in California. And, and I bet, I bet, I mean, I, change is hard on people. So I'm just used to throwing this in the garbage. And I, I, even as I said that, I, I really remember this one environmentalist saying, where's a way? We're going to throw something away. Where does that go? It's like there's no, there's no way. So this idea of California saying, no, there's no going to be no food waste in our landfills, it's probably an economic generator. It is. And this is how California tends to look at these things. So believe me, they've been – a lot of us have been there looking on how to make that an economic model. 
it's just nobody's – at the end of the day, they're not going to choose to just tomorrow to do it until they're pushed by regulation. So we know that. So the rest of the states, including Minnesota, because I'm doing some work with Minnesota, knows that we're next. Mm-hmm. And then it's, well, okay, let, we want to be first. And I'm really proud of Minnesota because Minnesota does tend to be the next of the half a dozen that will jump on it once California does. So we're preparing here in Minnesota too, and it's super exciting. It is. And um, and so um, and the whole idea of edible cups – and one of the statistics on her side, and some of me goes like, yeah, this can't be true, but maybe it is, that U.S. single-use cup market is billions of dollars. We spend billions of dollars as a nation on these plastic throwaway cups like what I have in my hand right now. Now, I mean, it's super sad. Now, she comes from the packaging world, so she knows her stuff, and she is so passionate in her heart to do it better. And that's why she started Amai, was this is enough. We, we shouldn't have single use out of petroleum-based ingredients that never break down. Where You're right. Where does that go? Yeah. It, does, it, it Where does it go? And, I mean, even if someone's not eating the cup, it's still compost, right? <laughs> right. And can you imagine something not breaking down, and where do we put it? In the ocean? I know. We we sell it to a different country? Who are we when we've been doing those kind of things? We don't have to do those things anymore. It's time to stop externalizing um our our economy and really living from a um uh, where we we're taking responsibility for ourselves and our actions. Um so uh so we um so what other products do you want to talk about? There's eggshells. Um and again the Tyson's entrepreneurial award that you got this time and so that that's a lot of changes going on there. Um what other products might you be able to use with eggshells? What other well, eggshells is calcium carbonate. So in addition to calcium and our bodies needing calcium, it's a carbonate. And a carbonate is nature's plastic. Okay. Oh, nature's plastic. Yes. Ooh. Yes. And so if you look at – we're talking about packaging. There's no reason why we can't look at nature and say, what was Mother Nature using? Carbonates. And, and eggshells can be one of those. So you're going to see in the next few years, I do a lot of work now with academia, uh, with students learning about biochemistry and all these neat ways to make new products out of organic material. And food waste is one of those. So whether it's the calcium carbonate from the eggshells to make packaging and then spent grain, there was a project that was um, making tables out of spent grain. I laughed, you know, because I, I get I get the opportunity to work with these students and then send them samples to work with. And so I tease them, and we're going to have to eat the table after? <laughs> no. But by the way, it breaks down so much better, right, than any kind of petroleum-based product. Yeah, that is so fun. Um, and so um, eggshells and spent grain, um, what other products can we upcycle? I'm really looking forward to products like Kernza grains. So if you look at, I gave birth to a soil scientist, so this is where a lot of this is coming from, is our soil needs help. We need help, and we're only as healthy as the soil underneath our feet. Amen. Healthy people, healthy soil, that Mm -hmm. is connected. And we've been living under a paradigm that the soil is dead and it doesn't doesn't really matter. And Yeah, but no, healthy soil and healthy people. And so Kernza is part of that. Kerns is a perennial grain. They're using it in regenerative agriculture, and it happens to be really tasty. So at the end of the day, if they're going to use this grain to heal the soil, and then somebody uses Kernza to make beer or whiskey or anything else, and there's leftover Kernza, 
I am going to get my hands on that. And we have. We've done some great upcycling of currants here locally, and we've done some baking um, and other kind of grinded materials to have that in granola. So I'm really excited about perennial grains going forward. I am very excited too, but at the same time, uh, recently there was an article in the Star Tribune about you know not having the market for currenza. Farmers don't have any place to sell it. And it's like a lot of these issues, you look at it on the, the larger issue, you, we need these deep roots in the ground. It makes healthy soil and it helps create a stable climate as opposed to the monoculture approach. But then we've been doing the monoculture approach and so the economy is kind of set up for that. And how we make these switches, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it gets complicated. And, and change is hard. Right. And it's one of those things that when I look at Kernza, that's a bit frustrating for me is thinking that we have to put all of this on the farmer. Farmers, just like brewers, brewers, you know, brew beer, farmers make food. They're not going to go out and find people tomorrow to buy their Kernza. We have to do better to support them. There's an organization called Mad Agriculture who stepped in and said, we will literally work between the farmers and the people who want the Kernza. So the farmers can keep farming, and then the people who want to work with Kernza can work with mad agriculture to get that. Right. So I think there there's way more people who want Kernza, but they just don't know how to get to the farmer. Can we really expect that directly? Good point. So And, and how we connect these dots. Connecting dots. Connecting the dots. And um, yeah, and uh, and I know our listeners are probably really passionate too where you find the Kernza because there, there are some products now on the market – are there any products with upcycled Kernza that you'd want to give a shout out to? Well, yes, my commercial kitchen partner, the Central Mix. She's in off Central and um, just a little bit northeast Minneapolis. She's done anytime I upcycle Kernza, she's got her hands on it. So she's done baking mixes, granolas. Um, as soon as more breweries use it, then I, I can scale it. So I know I've had people calling me from around the country asking me if I have any of that upcycled Kernza. So I know the demand is there. We've just got to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's her company again? So- the Central Mix. The off Central, Central Mix. Yes, in up northeast Minneapolis. And she's opening up a cafe, so you might Ooh. see upcycled kerns in the cafe. Whoa, I'm going to have to. I'm a Nordeast grad myself, Edison grad. Um, okay, so we're going to take a break. Uh, the revolution has to come from inside each of us and every one of us. We can leave this world a better place for our grandchildren while we're eating wonderful food and um, upcycling. So we're talking about um, ending food waste, um, creating a stable climate, livable jobs, and a happy life, right? <laughs> You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. In studio with me is Sue Marshall with Net Zero. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows it's insane to waste so much food, and someone that knows it's possible to both feed more people and reduce the effects of climate change. And in studio with me is Sue Marshall, um, entrepreneur with NetZero.us. And um, say your uh, website so if people want to check out. Yes, it's very important because sometimes people misspell it. It's net, N-E-T-Z-R-O.us, not 
N-E-T-Z-E-R-O. Right. Something else. <laughs> so you want to do N-E-T-Z-R-O dot U-S. Great. And again, in case someone's just joining us now, give us an overview of what net zero is and how this new law in California might impact and, and what you've been up to in this 10-year journey? Yes, going on 10 years. Yeah. Uh, Net Zero is a state-of-the-art food upcycling technology platform. Basically, it has the equipment and the software to actually do the heavy lifting, to process food that would typically not be used anymore into new food for human consumption and animal and pet. So this could be streams of food coming out of food manufacturing from oat milk, the oats that don't get used, which, by the way, there's very valuable. When you have your oat milk, you don't realize this, but there's oats behind that still have 90% of the nutrient value left that are getting thrown away. So that kind of heavy lifting, that work to make sure we use those oats again is what Net Zero does. And uh, currently we're working with and pe- people who want to make new beautiful products, chips, baking mixes, all kinds of products. Uh, and you can get certified upcycled products today at the grocery store, which is exciting. And you've been part of the Upcycle Food Association for some time as yes, well. Yes, a founder and executive board member, 2018. We started that trade association to support the growth of the industry, the upcycled food industry. And today we have that certification on back of pack. So that allows the consumer to be part of this change and feel really good about going forward and eliminating food waste. So um, right now we're wasting about uh, anywhere from a third to 40% of the food. Um, and when it ends up in the landfill, it's about 20% of our landfill. Um, and then it, then when this food is in the landfill, it causes methane, which again adds to climate instability. And now California just passed something that said no food can go into their landfills. So that's like revolutionary right there. Yeah, that's like for me, everything, because <laughs> this is the tipping. In a lot of industries, once regulation forces Uh, the issue, then things will really accelerate. You have your early adopters that do it because it's the right thing to do and figure out in an entrepreneurial world how to build business models around there. We've been doing that now for 10 years. We're ready for that regulation. So kudos to California in signing SB 1383, if the viewers want to look that up. And that basically says that regardless of who you are, what kind of company you are, that food will not go to the landfill. You will have to figure out a different route for that. And a caveat on 1383 is 20% of that diverted food from the landfill has to be regulated and audited that it went back to human consumption. Now that is, you know, an opportunity for upcycling, of course, for food upcycling. But it also has challenges because, you know, you don't want to eat food that's rotting or, you know, (laughs) so people like, oh, wait, I'm not going to eat that. So that's where net zero comes in because we're going to be managing that up the food supply chain. We're not going to wait till it's in a dumpster. Right. So I know your procedure is proprietary, um, but basically you're able to extract the uh, nutrients um, that are left over that would normally get thrown away. And of course, eggshells is an ideal example of that. It is an ideal example because of the value of the nutrients. Calcium is very important. Uh, The membrane has that beautiful collagen and we, we need that for our health. So there's no reason why we cannot capture, safely capture that. Our technology has a kill step, so we kill everything that shouldn't be on there. So that's what we, part of our you know unique value proposition in our IP, is to make sure that that's done correctly while retaining the value of it and the nutrient value. But you can do this any kind of fruit, vegetables, any kind of manufacturing, or even cutting plants. I don't, a lot of people don't realize, but when you buy fruits and vegetables pre-cut in packages, those come from facilities that are 
so large, operating 24-7, seven days a week, and they have a lot of pieces of fruit and vegetables that are going to waste. And it's it's quite eye-opening, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so in California, that's going to stop. And what can you use with cuts of fruits and vegetables? I have a really good friend, Anna Hammond, matriarch. Uh, she creates veggie broths out of that, mm. right? That makes sense. Why would we throw that away when you can certainly make veggie broths out of that? And sauces. She's got a new tomato sauce line, fabulous upcycled products. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of us have been saving our our vegetable scraps and making broth. It's just it's kind of it was, it's in our DNA to do that, right? Yes. To have Grandma that. did it. Grandma did it exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so how do we accelerate this upcycling? Yeah, so at home, there are things you can do. If your city isn't mandating you separating your food out of your trash right now, start. You can get a little commercial composting bin. Uh, You can put it in the freezer. That's what some of my friends do, and then they take it and put it into a certain bin for the city to pick up, or you can drop it off yourself. This is behavior change that we can get into doing. Because we're not California today, but I can tell you, Within a couple of years, Minnesota will follow and then other states will follow. So you're going to have to get used to that change and separating that food out anyway. And by the way, if you want to make some veggie broth, you can do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's books on that. Uh, <laughs> we can do that too. Just, just get the behavior change. And then when you're at the grocery store, look for upcycled products that have that. Look for that certification on back pack. You have control with your dollars. You can put your dollars towards products that are made better for the environment. Great. And so we're on our last two minutes. I want to just touch briefly on this is a global movement too, right? It's, it's, it is glo- it's local and global. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So remember, over you know, in other areas of the world, they don't have landfills. So they've been doing things. What they struggle with is innovation. Now, we know Americans love to innovate, right? So they're looking for technologies and innovation. Their behavior change is already there. So they're actually more forward on this stuff. And that's why you see things like the UN SDG goals, Sustainable Development Goals. There's 17 goals. Food and consumption is 12. So you'll hear UN SDG 12, which is food and consumption. So under that is all these countries agreeing to do better with these goals. And there's mandates under that. Uh, That's why California is part of that. They're big into the UN and same with other states too. They're just saying we are going to put our economy first into this and really make a difference. So follow UN SDGs. You can go ahead and Google that. You can see all the goals and then you can participate as a consumer in any one of those. And they they literally have ideas under each goal for each one of us and what we can do to make a difference. Last minute. Again, um, say the name of the company. And also, uh, this has been a challenge. I mean, you've been at it for a, a almost 10 years now going on and, um, you know, to, to swim upstream in a, in a way that makes a lot of sense, though. And sometimes it, it takes that, doesn't it? It does. So netzero, N-E-T-Z-R-O dot U-S. We are a B Corp. And I did that on purpose when I incorporated in 2019 uh, was because I want to have this as a legacy to this company. I don't want someone to just come and buy the IP and do what they want and not look at the mission, which is the mission is to reduce and eliminate food waste while feeding more people and making that accessible to everybody. So that is what we wanted to do. And we're, yes, it's a long road, hard road, being an entrepreneur and being a female entrepreneur and being into food. 
So, yeah, there's layers, but you know what? At the end of the day, this is what has to happen, Laura. So thank you for all your support all these years. Well, thank you, too, Sue, and thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. (sighs) Yeah, I just want to exhale a little bit. You know, let's have a livable planet and good jobs and just be kinder and saner, right? And have more fun. Have more fun. So thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. Have a great week.